Welcome to Interview with the Outlaw, Michael Tomsick. Today I have a special guest named Stephanie Johnson. Stephanie, welcome to Interview with the Outlaw, Michael Tomsick. Thank you. Which I usually call Lanes, Iowa. Well, you're a very interesting person. I read some of your little bit of a bio and I saw, I looked at your profile a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all. Well, um, I'm a DJ, producer, and engineer, and um, radio host, and I'm currently working on a kind of a big project with a, a podcast downstairs, um, actually in my house. We found out that we could do a radio license for an actual radio shows, so we're working on that. And uh, otherwise, um, living the dream here in the cornfields, and um, um, yeah, I love fishing, I love golfing, I love running, and uh, I'm uh, that's that's about the end of that. That's about the end. <laughs> I don't know. I think you had a much more interesting bio than that. Well, I know yeah. um, I know this much about you because I saw a few of your pictures. I saw you snowboarding. Um, a picture I love of, snowboarding. Yeah. Okay, and I, I know I think I saw you with some golf bags. Yeah, I used to put like, and I uh, like professional, but it was amateur golf, and um, I I worked at two different golf courses in San Diego, and I was fortunate enough to live on the beautiful beach in uh, in Pacific Beach, it was in San Diego. So I I lived like right on the beach in kind of a crummy apartment. But you could take the surfboards out and be outside in the sand in about 20 seconds. Have you and I ever met before? I think so. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever met or not because it's funny that you lived in Pacific Beach because I graduated at San Diego State University and I used to live uh, in um, Point Loma. And I used to surf all the time, uh, like in the area that you're talking about, like Ocean Beach, uh yeah, Point Loma I love area. Ocean Beach is awesome. Um, and it's just kind of funny because you also lived in uh, Nevada, and you lived uh, out near Pyramid Lake, if I'm not mistaken. I lived right by the Paiute Reservation by Pyramid Lake, yes. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I also lived in Nevada. Well, I actually lived there twice, um, once for five years and once for four years. So it's, it's like kind of really weird that we've never ran into each other. Such a small world. That's why I think that somehow we must have met. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know if we've ever met or not. but um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just kind of weird that we, we're both in San Diego and, and uh, you, were, you were obviously a, a, a surfer. And, um, so tell me a little bit about your podcast. Do you have a webpage or, or uh, about your podcast that, you know, Let's let's tell the people about you here in uh, my outlaw world. Yeah, so we're working on that because our our drop dead deadline was September twenty eighth, and we didn't make it yet because then we found out about the opportunity to do an actual radio show out of my house. So we're modifying it, but the podcast is going to be talk and then musicians and uh, pretty much what I. Uh, have done at KHOI on my show Love of Music. So it, it'll be interesting and I'll be working with operations manager um, Eric and he's going to be kind of running the boards, which I used to do all of that myself for my shows, but now I, I don't have to. I just get to stop, sit and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I really don't have to do much else but 
we 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 initially found this one podcast uh, they, that is pretty kind of fascinating. It's these two gentlemen that uh, they podcast uh, car chases. Now you wouldn't think that would be interesting because that's all they do. But the way that the the layout set up, it's it, it would be like it, it, one of them. It's like both of them on the left hand sides of the screen that um, it's being videoed of them, and then the middle is it, it's video of the of the car chases. On the right hand side, it are comments. On the bottom of the page is a, a place where pe- you can monetize it and people can donate, and it's really cool. So that's what we formulated, and it's it's going to be great. Well, it sounds like, uh, and you're talking about, uh, I guess I'd be kind of interested too because I've been a podcaster and I know I've also been on the radio before, uh, but I've never been able to open my own radio station. That would be kind of cool. So how do you go about uh, opening your own radio station there? Uh, I will I will have you talk to Eric because he's <laughs> the one working on all of it. He's working with a guy from New York. That's been um, that has all the information and that knows everything. So it would be a good place for you to start to talk to one of them well, about it. I know this. I, I, did, I did. I just didn't realize you could do that. Yeah, I I was actually I almost bought a radio station when I was in Florida because uh, I was on a ESPN radio there in St. Augustine, Florida, and uh, the radio station went out of business. And uh, all I know about buying or getting a radio station is you have to buy the. Uh, what do you call it? The station antenna things that go out that send the signals and stuff. Uh, so yeah, you definitely have to do that. So there was a couple of those you had to buy, and it was all kind of an interesting process. Uh, what really intrigues me about you, though, is that I think you've had a really interesting career. Now, did you go to school to do any of this? No, I actually I got my undergraduate degree from California State University, Sacramento, in um, cultural anthropology. And I was going to go into forensics. That was the plan. And there's a place called the Body Farm. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not. At the bo- <laughs> okay, well, at the Body Farm, um, they place, like, donated bodies all over this farm in different locations. Cars, it could be under tarps, it could be in the sun, it could be in the shade. They study entomology, which helps with forensics. But we went... You know, and I'm thinking I'm going to be a forensic anthropologist, yay. And uh, I went and then we, I opened, I don't think I opened it, but someone opened the car door and there was a person in there and there was bugs on them. And I, I must have passed out because I woke up on a stretcher. <laughs> they were like, I don't think you should do forensics, honestly, because it was like a little bit too much for me. So I got my degree in culture anthropology. Um, I had a, a forward scholarship for a crew for rowing, which is kind of crazy because I can't swim very well and then um, I got my master's degree in public administration from Drake University here in Iowa down in Des Moines so I wasn't trained at at all in that and and the crazy part is I couldn't speak in front of people I had I had a really hard time like face to face in front of people where I could hardly do it and I had like severe social anxiety and it never went away. And they said that it will get better. It will get better. Well, it didn't. I, I did get my degree. And, you know, I was working at the hospital at the time. And I started doing some work for the radio station. That was just, I was getting paid to work on uh, uh, making money for this nonprofit organization. And 
my operations manager, Ursula, she said, you know, maybe you don't have the best radio voice, but you're likable and you have good stories and you love music and you play the guitar and you know all these musicians. Why don't I teach you how to do radio? And I thought, there's no way that I can do this. Well, I did do it. And by the, probably a few months later, she had me trained so I knew how to run the boards. And what people don't understand is when you're having to do multiple things, run the boards, talk, have guests on, have musicians on, make up your, if you're going to have a playlist or if you're going to have like at least somewhat of what you want to say, because I usually just talk off the cuff. It's, it's like complicated. It's not like you're just going in there and, you know, doing a show. And I was able to do it. And then I got to the point I was confident. And, and that's a weird part because now I can get in front of like 200 people and announce musicians. And I'm not nervous. I think something about radio, like transitioning from being nervous and then talking to people through the airwaves and speaking to them and listen, knowing that they're listening and getting listeners, it, it built confidence in me. And so it was something just that happened that I don't understand, but it definitely changed me. Radio changed me. And I always wanted to do it because I had uh, family members. Well, I think I mentioned in my bio that my great grandpa was in the writers of the purple sage. And then my grand, my, my grandpa was in new writers of purple sage and he started the grateful dead. He helped start the grateful dead. And so I figured that my musical influence probably came from them and from my parents. And it, this has turned into something that I never would have thought would have happened because of, you know, I, I didn't think I, w I would have the ability to do it. But you can. You can do it. I, this is the way I did it. Oh, you have a, that's a beautiful story. And I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I, I can tell you a little bit from my experience. I've never really been shy in front of people. And I definitely don't have any kind of social anxiety. Um, but... I'm going to relate your story to kind of my story. We have so much in common that it's just crazy. So I'm going to tell you. So I was in uh, Reno, Nevada, and I was working. I don't know if you remember the casino there. Um, it used to be over there across the street from the Nugget. I don't remember what it was called, but they tore it down now. Um, but there was a casino over there, and there was a Leroy Sportsbook over there. Well, I was working at Leroy Sportsbook at the time. And I and um, anyway, there was an ESPN booth outside the sports book that they used to broadcast live at daily. And I used to always, we used to have these boards that we wrote down the odds for the teams and stuff on these boards. And the guy noticed I was doing it and stuff, and, and um, a lot of my picks were right. So he, he called me over and asked me to start on the radio, and that was in 2002, I believe. And that just kicked everything off. Next thing I know, I was on TV. Next thing I know, I was on ESPN. Next thing I know, I was opening my own company. Next thing I know, I'm broadcasting. I'm on the radio. I'm doing live streams. I'm commentating. <laughs> you know, and so now I've been doing it for like 20 years. But it just, it, you guys really, you know, sometimes, and I, I had absolutely have never had one ounce of training for anything. I've had to learn everything like you, I've had to learn about the boards. I've had to learn about, um, I've had to learn about contracts. I, I've had to learn about all. Um, as a matter of fact, if you guys, um, we have so much in common, you might think about this too. Um, I've actually got books on Amazon uh, as well that, and one of the books I have on there explains my whole history of 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 
the original company that I started, which was Outlaw Sports Radio. And it's just so much and similar with your your story that I find this so fascinating. So let me ask you about your fishing tail. Uh, with the I, you said that you had a fishing tail with some walleye. Well, walleye are my favorite fish to catch, except for northern. And up at the cabin, we have um, walleye, perch, northerns, sunnies, pretty much anything. Um, but walleye is like the prize up in Minnesota. And then you say you have to say a bolt, a bolt in Minnesota. They have a very thick accent, um, and uh, so I have I have one story that is not a real story. There's a fish on my wall that's a mounter, and um, I'm supposed to tell the story about how I reeled it in, how hard it was, and create this cool story. But it really, my friend who's an organic chemist, he's retired. He pulled it off of his big office at Iowa State and brought it to my house and said, we're mounting this on the wall. You know, and he's like, you have to come up with a good story. And the fish's name is Bob. So I've been working on the story. And then I tell people after it's not my fish. But the real story is I was at Ole's Hole up at Big Turtle uh, Lake up in Bemidji. And we were fishing on the one boat. Usually I would take the paddle boat in the morning because you can catch like three pound bass with just a hook and a sinker and a little piece of worm almost every time a three pound bass if you go in the morning through the river channel. But this time we took the actual one boat out to Ole's Hole. It's one of the spots, there's Dead Man's Point, Ole's Hole, a person died out there, that's why they call it Ole, or Dead Man's Point. But at Ole's Hole, we were, we were fishing and uh, my ex-husband at the time, he, he caught like a big, I had, so I set my pole aside, and I realized that I needed to get the net. So I got the net, and we started netting the fish. All of a sudden, I start to see my pole, like, rip off, and I see a huge northern on the end of it, which is sort of strange because northern, they, they tend to go lower. They're not like bass that, you know, jump and, and jump higher in the water. They stay low. And this one, it's because I just had a little bit of line out because I didn't have my pole that far in the water and I was going to restring it. And all of a sudden I see it like fly off and I see the fish. And remember this, I can't hardly swim. So it's my presidential pole. It was my favorite pole. It was worth a lot of money. That doesn't matter. It's just like my baby. No one could touch my pole. And I was like screw it so I like made sure I grabbed it and I jumped in and this is always whole so you're going around a bunch of reeds and it's it's deep enough you cannot you, I mean you can't touch the ground and so it started pulling me it was big enough to pull me and I, I don't weigh that much but it was like pulling me underwater and here I am can't swim and I'm like I can't I, I want my presidential pool I want it, <laughs> and, I, I, and you know, and then I, I couldn't breathe, and I was able to get up to the surface, which was great, and then it was still pulling on the pole, and I'm like, you are not taking my presidential, nope, and um, so I went over to the reeds, and then it pulled me under again, and I had to let it go. I cried on the way back, but in the meantime, I couldn't swim well, so I had to swim back to the boat where I didn't know where I was at because I had been underwater and I was a little bit 
like wondering where's the where's the boat where's the boat so i got i finally got to the boat and i crawled over the boat and then i cried and that's the story of my lost presidential so i don't know what happened to it like if like if it got an attached from the fish or did the fish just i pull forever or what what happened we, we went out and try, tried to find it a couple of times, and that was a losing battle because I think we took some, like, heavy sinkers with our poles and, like, tried to go where we thought it might be, and trying, it didn't work. So I lost the pole, I lost the fish, but I got this fish on the wall called Bob that's not even my fish, so I can tell stories about that fish now. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I like the name Bob on the fish. My daughter and I have this thing. We call Bob everything. Everything is Bob if we don't know what it is. But uh, I had another interesting story that you uh, kind of said to me, and I, I kind of wanted to hear this one too. So what's the story with the golf cart and you uh, driving it into the pond? Oh, yeah. Well, so that's when I worked at Madeira's Golf Course, one of the best courses in the, in the country. It's a truant course. It's beautiful. It's like you have to have a lot of money to play there. I've... I've fortunately worked there so I didn't have that I didn't have to pay for it and so we took the governor's I don't know if anyone's familiar that is listening the governor off of the golf carts so we had like three so basically that way you can go really fast the governor controls the speed so we we took them off and we would always go night golfing and we did other things like on hole three we would um kind of scuba dive down um i just sort of grabbed the balls uh and we would get on hole three there's there is a, a pond that they have to hit over so you got all these people with a lot of money with seven dollar balls and they're like hitting them in there and we would go at night and uh pull them out so i'd end up with like huge buckets but one night we took the two that didn't have the governors on because we used uh the, there's balls that are meant for um, golfing at night and they're lit up and we took those and then um i think like i only had like a beer so it's, it's not like i was drunk or anything it was just it went too fast around the corner in the dark without the governor so it goes way too fast so you got to really watch your you know braking speed and i didn't do that and i like last second, we flew into the pond. Our uh, golf cart went into the water, and my partner like got out of the water and he's like, "What did you do?" And I'm like, "Oopsies." So then we thought, "How are we going to deal with this?" Because you know we work there, and I have just submerged a golf cart. So my boss was not happy with me the next day. Let's just say that. And I, for about a week, he was really pissed. He's like, why did you do that? I just said, I didn't slow down fast enough. We got it out, though. <laughs> that sounds like it. You didn't have a, I know this is in San Diego, so I know the answer is going to be no, because I know San Diego very well. But you never had any, uh, any run-ins with any kind of alligators or crocodiles or anything like that on the golf course. Did you run into any? Any kind of really weird animals on the golf course? Lots of big snakes. and But I don't mind snakes. So some people don't like snakes. 
I don't mind them. We would get um, big, big snakes, like, usually stuck in the bathrooms when you go around a certain hole and the bathroom is there. Um, I found a snake that was about 10 feet long. So I got to take prongs and, and get it, and I was like, here, snake, here, snake, be nice, snake. And it wasn't being nice, and um, I put it in this little box, and uh, we went and we stuck it somewhere out, like, I think just outside of the golf course. But, yeah, there's a lot of, um, it's not like uh, Nevada, where, as you know, living in Nevada, there's rattlesnakes, uh, scorpions, all sorts of different types of things that you're not going to see in Iowa. Well, that's another question. You, you, you only really see deer in Iowa. That's another question I have for you. It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, growing up in, in, in San Diego like you did and moving to Nevada, which is is pretty big jump in itself. Even, I will say, uh, being a, 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 a guy that was loved the ocean and surfing and everything like that, it was a big jump for me to, to just move to Nevada. But there was at least, you know, I could go kayaking and surfing and snowboarding and stuff like that. What is it like living where you're at right now? Well, Ames, which I call Lames, but there's a lot of good people here. But if you want to go uh, snowboarding, um, there you have to basically go a couple hours. But there is one place 20 minutes away. And the thing is, we went there, and that's where I taught my son how to snowboard. <laughs> Way better than me. But the first time we went there... Um, I call it the Boone Bump, but that's not the name of it, but I don't want to say the name of it, not to offend anybody, but um, I got there, and, you know, I was very flat, very flat, and I saw, see this little tiny hill, and, and I saw that there, you know, obviously people were coming down, like skiing and snowboarding, but I was like, where's the hill at? You know, I'm like, we're like, it didn't make sense. Like, you could go up there, but it didn't make sense to me. Where I was thinking maybe the hill was farther back, you know? And then they're like, no, that's it. So, here, if you want to snowboard, enjoy about 20 seconds of snowboarding. And then you got to go back up. It's maybe like a minute, but here is uh, interesting. So, coming here from California, and then moving to where I, when I first moved here, I was living in, in, in Radcliffe, bought a house without seeing it in the middle of nowhere with 400 people that live there, all, all cornfields, nobody next to me, but a, a hog farm and the hog farms smell bad. And then they also pile up the pigs, the dead pigs all over for the rendering trucks to come to make soaps and things like that. And, um, I didn't feel like that was great. So I remember calling the sheriff, um, in, in Roland or in Radcliffe and I said, there, there, all these pigs are out here. Well, it ended up being, it's his son's farm. So he he was like, that's my son's place. And that's what he's going to do. I'm like, okay. So, uh, we moved back here and then my ex-husband is a huge hunter. So I had never dealt with hunting. I went once and it was boring me. I ate granola bars and back then I was smoking cigarettes. I was like smoking and eating granola bars and he was like, can't do that. Gotta be quiet, you know, and which is crazy about moving here. I learned how to process the deer on my own. And so we started processing the deer in the garage. So you hang it and then you put a bucket underneath it 
and then you start the whole process. But it's kind of interesting because you can uh, pick what you want to make a roast. You basically patch it up to make roast, and then if you want to make, like, ground beef, then you grind it yourself. If you want to make sausages or links or stuff like that, you just put it in casings, and there's this machine you use to, to roll it and case it and turn it and twist it when you go to the store and you, you buy it. That's how it happened. And I got to the point where I was pretty good at that. And it didn't bother me anymore. But the difference is when they brought it back to me, they, it had already been field dressed. And so for your listeners, if they don't know what field dressing is, it means they pull out all the insides and they do some other stuff. So when you get it, it's not like totally gross. It's just a dead animal that you're, that you're cleaning up. So that's one thing I always taught me. So that if, you know, if the zombie apocalypse happens... I can clean it here. Oh, that, that's always a good thing to know. Well, Stephanie... Yeah, we, ho- we, we hope that doesn't happen, but you never, you know, it's a, my backup plan. <laughs> oh, I like your backup plan. Well, Stephanie, we've hit uh, just about the end of our interview time here. I really appreciate you coming on the show, and you were uh, actually my first interview on Interview with the Outlaw, Michael Tomsick, so I appreciate you being the first interview, and I'll be posting this up and sending you a link Everybody check out uh, the links at mtomsick.com and check out Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie, again, you have, uh, do you have like a, I I know I asked you before, you don't really have a webpage anybody can go uh, look you up at? We're working on a webpage and when I get it, I will send it to you and then maybe you could send it out for me. And thank you so much for the opportunity. And it's so strange how many uh, things that we have in common. So it's been a nice talk. It has. I, I really enjoyed this interview. And thank you very much, Stephanie, for coming on Interview with the Outlaw. And I will be chatting with you later on. Uh, down the road, we might do it again. Let's do it. Thank All right. you. Goodbye.